know, uh, it's 20, 50 years of hip hop. We're still celebrating. <laughs> 50 years of hip hop. We're still on it. Happy Thursday, good people. I'm Babs Rose Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. I think it's raining in the elm. It looks a little dark and overcast. So, hey, wouldn't be Connecticut if it wasn't raining. <laughs> that's that's how I'm going with this now. So, oh, I hope everybody is well. I hope everybody is uh, processed the election and it is what it is. And we move forward and turn our attentions toward the uh, the national elections and and that level of foolishness is going on, but hey, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? So, uh, last night I had dinner with the with uh, two girlfriends of mine. Uh, 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 I've known them for a long, long time, and uh, one one of us, uh, uh, Debbie, uh, had early, has early onset Alzheimer's, and. Uh, I think she got diagnosed with it maybe five years ago. And um and we went out to lunch once. Um and that was that was pre-pandemic. And so then uh 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 Linda, uh the friend we have in common, Linda is the friend we have in common, which I did not know we were friends in common at the time. Um uh, she said, you know, uh, we, we're going to get some time with her. So I was like, okay, okay. So uh, so we went out last night to Serafina's and Serafino's in Wallingford uh, last night, which was lovely. And it was good to sit and talk with her and see her. So uh, I'm going to call her husband and get on the calendar uh, regularly to see her uh, because uh, she needs to get out. And she needs to do stuff. So I'm going to commit to an hour, uh, hour and a half, two hours a week to go hang out with her once a week uh, because she's my friend and we had such a good time. We were young women. Oh, my God. Oh, 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 oh. The times we had, the times we had. And so we lost track over the years, right? Because she got married. I didn't know she got married. I got married. She didn't know I got married. I mean, we just... You know, I do. We uh, I worked for a family. It was the first job out of college. My first corporate job out of college I was working for uh, her family, uh, the McDonald companies, and it was them that trained me to become a licensed insurance adjuster of all lines. Now I, I sucked as being an insurance adjuster, um, but it was my first job out of college, and uh, my and my first big money, like real money. I was like, oh. I'm making X amount of dollars salary, like not hourly salary. And it was so, uh, it was so, uh, it was so cool. And I was empowered to go work in Hartford, you know, cause everybody was going to Hartford and, uh, and, and I was a licensed ingester. So, uh, I worked for the McDonald company for like maybe three, three four years, maybe. And then I went to Hartford and then it was just a disaster in Hartford. So I got fired in Hartford because I just was not a good insurance adjuster. You know, I just wasn't, I just wasn't good at it. So anyway, uh, that's the story. So, uh, 
and uh it was a wonderful uh, uh it was a wonderful 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 um friendship over the years and uh and uh we just lost touch you know how people uh lose touch so uh that's the way it was so anyway uh i'm gonna go and spend time with her so i don't know how i'm gonna do this but i'm gonna do it <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out you know uh and she lives in wallingford so it's not like a a, a terrible uh uh it's not a um not a heavy lift you know to get there so so i say all that to say uh love on your friends and and just you know be with each other and you know people y'all some of y'all are wasting so much time it's ridiculous you know i'm not here to judge you i can't i'm just telling you don't waste don't waste any more time you know if you haven't seen people go see them you know, unless you got real beef with them, you can't see them. But, it, it, you know, be with the people that you're with and be with them and be with them. Do you know what I mean? Be with them. Be with them. Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say. So I'm going to spend a little more time with her as, as I as I can. Because um, Uh, you know, I, I was looking up last night. I I didn't sleep well last night because this was on my mind. And I, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't sleep. One, because I had two meals that were just terrible. Not terrible, but I, I, had, I ate at pistachios and it didn't sit well in my stomach. And then I ate at Serafino's and I had a, I had a you know, a grilled chicken salad. Because, you know, it's an Italian restaurant. And, you know, that is such a challenge for somebody like me to eat at an Italian restaurant. So, uh, so... So, so that 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 didn't go well, and and so I was so I had all kinds of stuff on my mind, and I normally I normally don't have a lot of stuff on my mind that keeps me up, but I was just thinking about early onset Alzheimer's and and what that meant and what that means to her, you know, and uh, and and that you know she's in my she is in my my age cohort my friend cohort. So it's just it was just unsettling to me, but we we had a good time and we laughed and we joked. We took pictures, you know, we, we did the thing, and uh, uh, it was uh, uh nice. It was very very nice. It was nice. So, anyway, uh, and it's got it was good to hang out with my friend Linda, you know, because I don't see I don't see her much either, because you know, busy, and uh, her sons are off to college this year or next year. They're they're off to college next year. I'm like, hmm, that's a lot, you know. I was like, okay, that's a, 
That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So anyway, uh, I, her kids are uh, are way younger than mine, uh, and uh, it was really nice to hang out with her too, and have cocktails. But I'm telling you, I just feel like uh. I just feel like something just didn't sit well with me. So my stomach was all rumbly tumbly, <laughs> like 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 Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and uh so you know, I was so worried about my tummy being rumbly tumbly. Uh I I uh I uh I took a I put a bucket by the bed just in case. Because you know when you have a rumbly tumbly, sometimes you're like, ooh. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I did it, uh, but I felt like I was gonna. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what, that's what we were up. That's what I was up to. So anyway, today is, uh, today's another amazing, amazing day. Um, I'm going to, Ife and I are going to uh, um, the Veterans, uh, the Saluting Service, the Connecticut Veterans Legal Center. Their uh, event is tonight at the Long Club. So they're celebrating 14 years of rebuilding lives and serving our veterans. So uh, tonight from 6 to 10, which I like that it's 6 to 10. It's not a long night. Uh, and it's, it's you know, it's fancy, but it's not ball gown fancy. You know, it's like after work and they're sold out. So I, I'm happy to be going. So uh, they've they got uh, MC Chaz from Chaz and AJ and um, performances by Art of Huckleberry. I don't even know who that is. Uh, so it's like business formal cocktail military equivalent recommendation. So so we're going to go and they're honoring some folks. And uh, uh, and Finn, the scientist artist, is going to be there. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to that. They have they having cocktails by 116 Crown. So they have a social hour appetizer and an open bar and specialty cocktail by 116 Crown. It's a two-course dinner with a choice of entree. So uh, I ordered Ife the chicken. Uh, and it, it, uh, it looked like it was really good. The chicken is the Madeira and thyme glazed breast of chicken. Smoked mozzarella broccolini risotto, grilled portobello mushrooms, Cured Roma tomatoes, roast garlic maple demi glace. I I was torn between the fish, but it's North Atlantic uh, salmon, and you know North Atlantic salmon is not wild caught; it's farm raised. I didn't want that, so I'm having the vegan entree: Thai green curry tofu, vegetable uh, Gucci gong fried rice, ginger roasted parsnip puree. Wasabi soy broccolini, citrus tamari with citrus tamari reduction, and a sesame scallion salad. I'm here for it. <laughs> when I tell you I'm here for it, I'm here for it. <laughs> so uh I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So uh I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. 
I can't wait. So there we go. Uh, uh, so that's where we are. Kansas City, Missouri. Maybe it's Kansas City, Kansas. Um, so that's tonight. Um, but I've got, I've got, uh, I got so much to do, uh, today and, uh, and I can't lose any more time because I've got to, uh, uh, I've got to, uh, get into, uh, to, uh, finishing up my applications for law school. So that is really taking up all my, uh, all my time today. Uh, and then I gotta go pick up a prescription, you know, it's, it's, it's just all those kinds of things. <laughs> you know, it's all those, it's all the things, all the things. So I gotta go and deal with that. And uh, uh, and handle that stuff because I have a, a hard deadline of November 17th, which is, I think like just, just in a, uh, maybe uh, two weeks, not even like next week. Let me see. Let me look at my calendar. Oh yeah, next week. So that means every single day I got to be on top of this. So the good thing is, uh, someone helped me with my with my resume, uh, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy, because I I wouldn't have not have been able to do that, and uh, I I just would not have been able to do it. So uh, so I'm grateful, you know. Um, I, I'm grateful, 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 grateful. So I'm so happy for all the people, but I've got a long road ahead of me, so I've got lots to do. And uh, I tell you what, I did do yesterday. I had to go get um, I had to go get uh cartridges for my printer because I need to print some stuff and I need to do it today. And uh, I have so much. <laughs> I have so much to do. It is unbelievable. So anyway, let me go and uh, check out what is going on in the news. Uh, the inner city is out hitting the streets as we speak. So uh, and I know you all like to get it. People like to uh, uh, run up on me and say they got the paper or they wish it was in more places. I mean, it's always, you know, it's always something. I was like, listen, catch it where you can. Uh, that's all I can say. Um, you can always go online, innercitynews.com, and uh, and grab it. Uh, get the the digital, the website, and the digital version of the paper. Uh, get it. So you know, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Uh, I have a a, a a a critique of the Rustin film. So I'm hoping people will see it. It'll be it's on Netflix. So. Uh, Oh yeah, thank you. So, so uh, and the film is so good. It's on. It it, it comes on Netflix next fr Friday on the seventeenth. It's in the movie theaters now, but if you if you want to see it, you could catch it in the movie theaters. Um, but you can definitely catch it on Netflix on the seventeenth, which I hope people will, and. Uh, or you can watch when you click on the New Haven Independent, you catch the, uh, and it's up on the uh, inner city page too. 
um, you can click on the 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 show, the link for for the for my radio show piece on Facebook, or uh, yeah, and you can click on and listen to the actual interview or watch the actual interview I had with Bruce Cohen. Uh, so it was really really nice, really really nice to talk to him. He was most enjoyable. I like when people who are like cele- celebrity that that level of celebrity and 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 rich and and powerful to just be all down to earth <laughs> just all the way down to earth which i i just love i mean you got to love that i love it i love it i love it uh, i love it i enjoy talking to him i told him listen you know if you if your husband don't want to go with you to the oscars uh i got ball gowns i could i'm ready to show up in a minute's notice you know, I could I could be on the red carpet in minutes. <laughs> and he's like, well, my 12-year-old daughter. I was like, listen, listen, listen. 12-year-olds don't want to do this. She must be extraordinary if she really wants to do this. You know, so I'm just saying if she gets, you know, teenagers have angst. If she has a moment of angst, call me. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy, happy to do my part. I'm happy to, happy to show up. Happy to show up. <laughs> I I mean it. I absolutely mean it, mean it, mean it. So don't feel no kind of way. Call a girl. I got you. I can even color coordinate. I got every kind of gown under the rainbow. So anyway. (laughs) Anyway, that's the, that is the way of the world. Uh, That is the way of the world. That is the way of the world. So. Uh, what else is going on? Let me let me let me see. Um, it's it's it seems very quiet uh, this morning. Seems seems very very quiet. I I didn't make it to the puppet uh, the puppet marching um, in Westville on Saturday. I didn't get a, or Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was. Um, so, but the pictures look awesome. I mean, they really do. I I don't like giant puppets. <laughs> Don't ask me why, please. Just, just let me have my quirkiness. Uh, but the but the pictures look nice, and there was a sister with an African mask, um, that was uh stunning, and uh, I was like, ooh, I'd like to have that. So, uh, and, yeah, and 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 if you still haven't gotten enough of election night conversation, uh, get into it over at the Haven Independent. Just, just get into it and uh, see what you can see. You know, get into it. There's some conversations going on that you might want to be a part of. So that's a good time. Uh, I tell you what, though, I've got a, I've got a guest this morning. Elsie, Elsie uh, Harrington is the director for the Little Women for the Yale Schwartzman Center. Uh, it is uh, going to be. Uh, 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 she is uh, directing it, and I believe, uh, if I am not mistaken, uh, it'll be up. Uh, gosh, when is it? I think it opens. Let me let me let me take a quick look see, and I could tell you exactly. Um, I could tell you exactly. I, I you know I'm I'm interested in hearing hearing uh, what she says about this about this pr- production. Because uh, the Schwartzman Center, 
is bringing all kinds of uh, interesting offerings, artistic uh, offerings. And uh, I am really, oh, it starts, uh, it starts today. So today uh, it begins. Um, and if you haven't been to the, the Schwartzman Center, uh, it really is something to see. And, and it's Woosley Hall up and down, right? So it's, uh, oh no, it doesn't start today. It starts the 11th. She's my guest today. Um, but you want to see this Little Women by Kate Hamill. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk about this. So it's a creative and performing arts award project. And uh, it starts uh, today, Thursday, November 9th from 7.30 to 8.30. Then it's Friday, I mean, 7.30 to 9.30. Then Friday, November 10th from 7.30 to 9.30. Saturday, November 11th from a 7.30 to 9.30. So the, so it's in the dome and the dome is on the third floor uh, of the Yale Schwartzman Center. You know, it's at 168 Grove. So uh, uh, you might want to check this out. And it's free and open to the public. And if you haven't been up to the dome, it's such a cool space. Such a cool space. So I can imagine all kinds of stuff. Like uh, we had the poetry slam contest up there uh, and it was really nice. And then we saw... Um, the makings of uh, a play up there. So uh, there's a little, there's a lot going on. So anyway, this little women follows the lives of the March sisters. And y'all, you know, we all read this book. There's like a gazillion movies about it, about this book. Um, you know, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, you know, the March sisters. And so this is an adapt an, an adaptation of their childhood in the 1860s, um, you know. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's an enduring and endearing story. So, so if you if you're if you want to see a modern twist, you know, on it, or if you want to feel how the past has influences in the modern world, this might be the thing for you. So. So it's a unique retelling. So check it out. It's free too. So um, uh, I think it's uh, all kinds of mixed cast. So that in itself is interesting. So uh, I'm having Elsie Harrington on at uh, at ten fifteen to talk about this production and and what she brings to it. You know, because when you take on these these uh you know these these tried and true pieces. You know, everybody gets to put their own spin on it. And there's and there's some uh, you know, there there's some excitement around taking something that's been done a gazillion times and adding something new to it. So I think that's that's the joy of having these these uh these pieces that stand the test of time. You know, we never get tired of Shakespeare, we never get tired of Norman Mailer, we never get tired of, you know, all you know, uh, Tennessee Williams uh uh work. We never get tired of, you know, any of these works. We we just won't get tired of it. So, uh, uh, we never get tired of it. So, anyway. Anyway. Do you know that it is um, Indigenous Heritage Month? 
And uh, hey, we've got to find some indigenous heritage music. You know, we we definitely got to find some. Uh, and I, I think I want to uh, capture some uh, indigenous heritage information. I've been posting stuff on my Facebook page. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I did a rundown for indigenous day, you know, uh, but this is a whole month, indigenous people's month. So, so every year by statute and our presidential pro proclamation, the month of November is recognized as native national native American heritage month, you know? So, uh, and the theme is, uh, celebrating, uh, sovereign sovereign sovereignty and identity celebrating tribal sovereignty and identity so uh um so yeah so get into it uh i want to see if i if i could see some some facts some facts some facts uh because i i tell you what i i have such a headache about these land acknowledgements you know white people do this mess i think they think it's helpful and I guess on some level in the beginning, it was helpful. At least you acknowledge that y'all killed and stole this land from people, you know, but, you know, we acknowledge it. We stand on the land and we're not even good stewards of the land. So we go to these land acknowledgements. We, I hear these land acknowledgements. We, we stand on the land of the Pawkasucket. We stand on the land of the Iroquois. We stand on the land of the Massatuckets. You know, we do all the standing on the land, but ain't nobody talking about Oh, should we give this land back? <laughs> They're not going to do that. Or do we make some 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 intentional, you know, respectful giving to indigenous people for the land that you know they were ran off of, stolen, stolen? I don't know. I, I just ah. Uh, so anyway, just get get you some get you some. Go and read something. I've got a bunch of books. I've got um, Joy Harjo books. I've got some, uh, uh, you know, some poetry because she's indigenous. So I've got some indigenous poetry. I've got uh, uh, by a couple of other authors too. So, you know, uh, um, if there's some artist artist things going on, go see them. Um, uh, November 11th. I'm at the library, uh, the Native American Heritage uh, Month.gov site, and uh, there's some honoring Native veterans on Veterans Day, so uh, they're they're doing that in places. Um, today, Ch Charlie uh, Lowry, uh, the Lumbee uh, Tuscarora singer and songwriter, um, Chad Lowry is a dynamic. Uh, singer-songwriter from Pembroke, North Carolina, and she is proud to be an indigenous woman belonging to the Lumbee and Tusca Tuscora tribes, and she considers her work a platform for raising awareness around issues that plague underdevelopment, underdeveloped and undeserved, underserved uh, Native communities. So she has a performance today. So, so I'm just checking out all the stuff that's going on uh on the website on different websites uh for this wonderful opportunity to uh uh to put some real thought 
and attention on indigenous peoples, Native Americans, uh, and November, all of November. So I like I like thinking about Native. I mean, I think I think we should be thinking about them all the time. But if November is the month, then we should do all we can to to learn and and educate ourselves on their history and culture, which is our history and culture. So we should vacate the land and give it back. And we'll all be refugees, <laughs> although I think I get to stay. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever, Harry. <laughs> so you'll see celebrations going on and on and on and on. Um, um, the International Festival of Arts and Ideas does this um had been doing these things on Thursdays on the green. And a couple of weeks ago, they did. Um, they had Dr. Tamiko Jackson, because she's of uh, uh, Native American descent. And uh, and she coordinated a whole uh, presentation and uh, interactive uh, 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 opportunity for people to come dance, sing with uh, other Native folks. Uh, and I didn't get a chance to go because I was somewhere else. But the pictures look really, really nice. And uh, and it was covered well. So, um, did you know that the the National Archives holds hundreds of thousands of U.S. government records uh, relating to Native Americans from as early as 1774 through the mid 1990s? And these include every treaty signed with Native Americans, which were broken, <laughs> and records from the Indian schools. Indian Census Rules and Bureau of Indian Affairs records. So so you have a sense of uh, who these people were and what they were about and, and all the stuff that we did. And and listen, American Indians have eagerly served uh, the United States, which did not always keep its word to their ancestors. Uh, they have volunteered to serve uh, in conflicts from World War II to Iraq, and few encountered... Uh, Few encountered any overt prejudice while in uniform, but for all American Indian veterans, the honor of defending their country overrode all other considerations. So let's not forget. And there, there are a couple of films, uh, like Hollywood style films. Hey, Phil Brown. Good morning. Um, uh, a couple of American uh, Hollywood type films that you know give you a stylized version of some of this indigenous history. <laughs> and I think right now Martin Scorsese's film is is uh, uh, out. And uh, I think people, it's three hours long. I think people are enjoying it. Uh, I think people have gone to see it, are going to see it. So uh, my car. Uh, Anyway, um, so, so yeah, so I mean, if you if you if you're interested in in learning something, I I, I understand that that's that film, the Scorsese film, is uh uh as close to as accurate as Hollywood wants to be in these kinds of films. <laughs> I I want to see indigenous people tell their own damn stories. <laughs> I'm not saying that Martin Scorsese can't tell a good ass story. We know he can tell a good ass story, but I want to see, you know, indigenous people tell their story, you know, because I think it would be seen through a different lens. I don't know. 
I mean, they might make exactly the same kind of film. Who knows? Uh, so I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. So anyway, the new movie is uh, what is it called? Let me look it up. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, and uh, I think it's a very painful film. Very, very painful film, because um, you get to see uh, uh, how these folks, how these indigenous people were, you know, bamboozled out of their land and oil and and how these white men married these indigenous women and then all of a sudden these indigenous women go missing. And there's still an indigenous uh, women missing problem in this country that goes untalked about in in local media. That still goes on. That still go, they're still missing indigenous women that are just not making local media, you know, uh, not just in Alaska, but in Alaska, but ev just about everywhere where our indigenous people are, you know, it's unconscionable. So, uh, so if you've not had a chance, that might, this might be the film for you. It might be the film for you. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a lot, you know, it's a, it's a tale of greed and, and white supremacy. <laughs> they literally married these women and killed them because land and, and property and things passed through women. So they just married up these, these white men came and married up these Indian women. And, uh, and, uh, and then killed them. Then they would just mysteriously disappear and then they would be left with their property and uh you know you know so listen i don't mind a three-hour film because we binge watch stuff so you spend more time binge watching a series you you sit for three hours or more uh for for a, a netflix series so might as well sit and watch a film you know so i i dare say it's probably going to get all kinds of it's probably going to get you know, nominated for all kinds of, of awards uh, because, you know, Martin Scorsese likes working with Leonardo DiCaprio and, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is his muse, right? So, you know, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just saying, so might be worth your your time and effort you know as you are feel some kind of way so anyway uh it's indigenous heritage month uh indigenous people's heritage month and uh maybe uh tomorrow i'll no because tomorrow i have a guest i have kevin walton on tomorrow to talk about the first youth summit that they're pulling together so I'm excited to talk to him about this and and how this is necessary. And you know, Kevin is the uh, uh the award-winning basketball coach over at Cross High for for the boys, you know, young men, uh basketball coach. So anyway, uh, uh so yeah, so get into it. This is a good time to be learning stuff. You know, I'm not even going to talk about the Trump foolishness in court. <laughs> He's an idiot. And and then the Republicans with their pageantry, you know, they got this pageant going on, debate, 
you know, they all, you know, they don't, they all, they don't all really denounce him. They kind of half-ass denounce him. <laughs> it's it's a it's a funny thing to watch. I I wonder if they go back and watch this stuff and go like, oh look, you know, I, they can't be proud. Are they proud? They they can't be proud. Anyway, I'm just gonna yeah, leave it alone. So the National Park Service is uh has a hand in celebrating Native American Heritage Month too. So uh so if you're park people, like there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh and if you go to uh nps.gov, www.nps.gov, they got all kinds of interactive learning stuff. And uh Red Shawl Day, which is um you know, the red, the, the red hand that is the imprint that is everywhere that you're seeing, you know, if you want to know something about that. The Red Shawl Day is uh, November 19th. So it's the National Park Service supports Red Shawl Day. So you wear red uh, to raise awareness and draw attention to the horrible acts of violence against, against indigenous people, especially the women and children. So Red Shawl Day. So I, I have to make sure I put that on my calendar so that I can help raise awareness to this uh, and join and join the conversation because they'll they'll be they'll be doing stuff online. So you could go hashtag Red Shawl Day and uh, hashtag NPS Indigenous. So so the National Park Service is doing stuff. Uh, 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 to to bring awareness. So according to the Department of Justice, if you didn't know this. Uh, American Indian and Alaska Native women are missing and murdered at a rate of more than 10 times the national average. So Red Shawl Day is an annual national effort to bring attention to acts of violence committed against indigenous people. So throughout the week surrounding November 19th, people are encouraged to wear red as a symbol of the loss of sacred lifeblood through violence. So the National Park Service uh, it, of an all-government effort to bring attention and an action to missing and murdered indigenous people. Uh, America's national parks are a part of and surrounded by many indigenous communities. And so as part of this observance, you may see National Park Service staff wearing red shawls. So so just do your part and uh, raise raise awareness, you know, uh, how to help. And, and And if you need to figure out how to help, the Indigenous Fair, the Bureau of uh, in, in Indigenous Affairs, the U.S. Department of the Interior, uh, and Indian Affairs. So, uh, if you want to help raise a, awareness, you know, and and you, you could go and look at the cases, uh, view missing or murdered cases. Um, you could report a tip. Uh, you could ask a question. Uh, you could learn about the crises. Um, you could learn uh, about how to address the crises. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's uh, uh, opportunities for tribal leaders to um, 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 get some education around how to do this. So they've got, and they've got pictures of missing, missing indigenous people up. So, so you can help. I mean, if you, if you could tolerate looking and, and reading, I, I would say that would be a good way to honor uh, what is going on so and uh and um there's even a piece on native americans and the underground railroad so i listen there is a uh 
a lot of connecting threads uh, in this country to people. And, uh, and I'm fascinated by it. So there's an article up, Native, Native Americans on the Underground Railroad. So I definitely have to, uh, uh, I definitely have to go and pull this. Because <laughs> I think this is, uh, uh, I think I have to uh, uh, pull this and run it in the inner city. I think this is necessary stuff, and uh, and talk about uh, uh, the connections and the threads between Indigenous people and uh, enslaved Black people, and I don't think we do a good job of talking about those relationships, you know. So anyway, so yeah, so get out there and uh, uh, and be about it for November nineteenth, Red Shawl Day. So I I have actually have a rich uh poncho to put on. Oh, and it's rock your mocks in the parks. Um, um I was watching uh my friend Dr. Ensora, Dr. Tamiko Jackson. Uh, she was talking about rock your rock your mocks. I don't have any moccasins, but it might be time to invest in a pair. I might have to go get me a pair. Of rock your mocks in the park. I might have to do it. <laughs> you know, and I gotta go find me. Uh, 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 artist who makes these, and that's just a quick Instagram search, right? Like, we're gonna buy moccasins, authentic moccasins, or who's make who's making moccasins, and just buy a pair and be like, but you know, if I buy a pair of moccasins, I ain't trying to wear them out in the street. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not trying to wear them out uh in, in these streets. No, but but there's a whole campaign about uh rockier mocks in the in the in the parks so 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 you have all month to do it all month all month long to uh rock your mocks in the parks uh and so who's to say you know let's let's get let's get some some rock your mocks park uh in the park here and uh and get into it i'm just saying i'm just i'm just saying saying so maybe this is a good time, particularly in Connecticut, to go visit your parts, to go visit where indigenous people once walked and roamed and lived freely. That might be a good time and a good use of your time to just stand in those spaces. And remember that the indigenous people were good stewards of this land before white people came and became not good stewards of the land. <laughs> so so maybe that's what we do. We go to the park and we spend some time in nature and we remember that this indeed was native and indigenous land um, and that at least we had the sense to preserve some of the land as parks um, so that we can have something to visit and return to. Um, and set our minds to the people that were here before us. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what I want to honor. That's what I want to honor. And I'm hoping that you will too. <laughs> I'm hoping that you will too. And uh, and that's how we honor uh, uh, indigenous and native people, you know. And uh, I'll, I'll talk more about it for the next few days. You know, I was all about, we spent the whole show 
uh, for Native uh, Indigenous Day. You know, we I read some highlights and some facts, and some of the facts were really fun. Um, some of them were such awareness raising. Um, there's books out there that you could get, uh, and if you don't, if you if you uh, if you uh, if you want to really make uh, a dent and an honor, uh, make your way to Possible Futures and get you some Indigenous books. I mean, there's poetry, there's novels, there's there there, <laughs> uh, Firekeeper's Daughter, Res Dogs. Uh, as long as grass grows, you know. That, so go over there and get you some books. I mean, she's got, she's got, and and then, and if you don't see it like on the shelves, she can order it. So possible futures over there on the corner of Hotchkiss and Edgewood. Uh, you can, you can, you can absolutely, you can absolutely uh, read some native and indigenous authors. That's what you could do. You know, Hi highlight some indigenous businesses. Uh, whether you're online or not, look and see, you know, what's around. Uh, there's all kinds of things that you could do. Amplify Native art. Of course, there's Native artists here in Greater New Haven. Uh, you know, go and, and connect to them and uh, and amplify their work. You know, celebrate cultural icons and legends. Uh, you know, so you know, get into it. it. It doesn't cost you anything, except what it'll do is it expands your mind and raise your awareness. And that, don't we don't we like when we learn new things? You know? And, you know, and for white people, I'm sure you feel some kind of way. Uh, but don't let that stop you. You know? Like, don't don't let that stop you. Don't, don't let that stop you. Uh, just just keep pushing. Just keep keep pushing. You know, the Boys and Girls Club of, of America is celebrating Indigenous Heritage Month. Um, uh, uh, universities and colleges are doing stuff. I mean, I bet you if you look up Yale and see what they're doing, I'm sure they're doing some stuff. I think they're, uh, I just learned of an Indigenous, a Native Indigenous teacher uh, who just joined the faculty uh, on campus. I just met that person recently. Um, I was at some thing and they uh, and they brought it up. And I think it's around languages. Uh, I think they're teaching indigenous languages, uh, particularly ones that are are um, 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 are in danger or endangered of being lost uh, to humans. So, so yeah, so, you know, get into it, people. I think it's a good time uh, to to step into this month. Uh, why, you know, why you're out there running around buying damn turkeys? <laughs> let's 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 do away with this pilgrim Indian narrative that we all grew up with and and expand the truth a bit, you know, and and, you know, it's expand. <laughs> Expand, expand the truth. That's all. That's all you got to do. Just, just you know, I, I still want you to have your turkey and your stuffing and all the stuff because it's really about bringing people, families together. You know, I, I think, I think that's the true gist of Thanksgiving. Not so much, you know, the Indians 
you know, had dined with pilgrims, white people. I, I, that's I don't think that's the 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 uh, the day, you know. But um, so you make it whatever. But it's mostly we we see it as a day to celebrate family. But now you can add less while it is uh, Native American Heritage Month. Let's use our Thanksgiving um, to remember and to speak truth to uh, uh, indigenous people whose land which we call home now. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so uh, I just want I just want that to be out there, and uh, you know, and we and we could give up this this narrative about. Columbus too. There was already fifty million people here. <laughs> How are you gonna discover a land that already had fifty million people? <laughs> you know, on the Americas, the Americas. Harry's like, I'm twelve percent indigenous. Any white apologist looking to give back, I'll take twelve percent of your riches. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, Harry. I like that. <laughs> God. And get this, Harry. Native Americans was granted citizenship in the 1920s. <laughs> it wasn't until 1924 that the Native Americans were granted citizenship after Congress enacted the Indian Citizenship Act, while Native Americans were also given rights to vote in 1924. And it took another 40 years for all 50 states to allow voting rights. I bet y'all didn't know that. <laughs> Chipmunk, pecan, skunk, and other common words come from the Algonquian language. You speaking native and you didn't even know you were speaking native. You know, and tribal lands occupy a massive swath of the U.S. There are approximately 326 Indian land areas in the United States administered as federal Indian reservations, uh, covering more than 56 million acres. And currently there are 574 federally recognized American Indian and Alaska native tribes and villages. So put that in your peace pipe. Cherokee is the largest tribal uh, grouping. And the three largest Native American tribal groupings are Cher Cherokee, Navajo, and Latin American Indian tribes. So, so anyway, I just wanted you to share that. I'll be talking about this for the rest of the month. So a little bit, you know, I'll take a little bit of, you know, I'm gonna do my part. It's my part to raise awareness. So I will be back with Elsie Harrington who is directing Little Women at the Schwartzman Center at 1015. So y'all find a thread and come on back. Come on back now, you hear? <laughs> Harry, you got some indigenous music? Oh, okay.
Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I am delighted to have Elsie Harrington, who is directing uh, Little Women at the Schwartzman Center over the next couple of weeks. Unmute yourself, Elsie. Let's get into this conversation. Hello. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for coming. So are you a fan of the March Sisters? Like what, what drew you to this? <laughs> I am. I am. Um, I have... This is my first time directing something. Um, it's my oh, directorial wow. debut. Um, I've been more interested. I've been a performer on campus um, and a dramaturg and producer more um, previously, but I was always looking to put my foot in the door of directing. Um, I always sort of knew that it was something that I might be good at. Um, I'd done choreography. I'd done, I'd taught theater. Um, and I was really interested in 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 working in that um, role, but uh, while I was trying to figure out how to like get my foot in the door of directing I was really couldn't figure out the difference between um, when I was drawn to a play because I was 
like interested in being in it and when I was drawn to a play because I was wanting to direct it um and then I found this adaptation of Little Women and I was like oh that's the feeling um and so I you know read the book as a child I've always loved it um got reinvigorated about the story <laughs> for the with the 2019 movie and now um it's just been a really wonderful experience to be able to um have a try at this timeless story I think it's a great idea because it's one of these stories that um you know you can come at it from so many different angles so did that did that excite you to sort of be like you know I know this story I know this story let me let me let me mess with it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was really fun it was very fun in rehearsals to work with the actors and be like this is our version of this story um and you can look to other versions for like inspiration but really the text we're working with is not the novel or is not the movie it's this script adaptation that has all the information that we need in it and so it's been very fun to sort of find our own version of it that still has the same message so Elsie, what is it about about Little Women that still intrigues us? Like, why are we still yeah. wanting to know about these March sisters? Yeah, I just, I think it's a universal experience and will always be of um, reaching adulthood and being like, oh God, um, what now? <laughs> um, and sort of feeling pulled in all directions by both like societal expectations and also by your own goals and trying to mesh those together. Um, and it's sort of a, an experience for young women that's never going to end. Um, and so there's a reason people keep getting roped into the book always every time they read it. So now in this modern day, you get to play around with casting. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Yes. So it was very fun to cast um, our process. We have a production team of all non-men. And so we really wanted this um, process to be as accessible and as fun as possible. And so we advertise casting to the Yale community. Um, we're all undergraduates doing this. Um, and so we had over um, 60 people audition for the nine roles um, in the show. And we just really wanted to create a march family and a world of the play that matches the world of New Haven and the world of um, the audience that we're representing to instead of being like as um, uh, just like as white as the March sisters <laughs> always have been. Because <laughs> they really could be anything, right? Yeah, because like, you know, everybody experiences this. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so when you say adaptation, what does that mean? Yes. Yeah, so um, Kate Hamill is the playwright um, and she has a thing where she likes to adapt classic novels into plays um, oh. that are still set in the times of their um, world. So they're not like modern adaptations, but the way that she writes the dialogue just makes it feel so like palpable and energizing and like current, even though it's still set 200 years ago. And so she's done Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. I think she's done Dracula. Um, so this is her <laughs> Little Women. All right. So when you step into the directing role, I mean, um, did you have to be like convinced to do it or did you say, <laughs> all right, I, I really want to do this. I want to I want to take this on. I was I was very excited about it. Um, I really wanted to to do it. It felt like the perfect um, first thing to direct because I'm so familiar with 
the story and with the world and the characters. Um, so I felt very prepared to take it on. Um, and I was just very excited because I had um, the people that were on the production team at the time were so wonderful and they were so good at their jobs. So I felt very supported and very excited. And then the um, undergraduate community showed out so much. Um, and so it's just been a really exciting process the whole time. All right. So so when you said you want to direct, did you have to convince them that you could do it? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Um, I, <laughs> I've done some assistant directing on campus. Oh, OK. Um, and, OK. Yes. And so I've just been very active in on production teams in various roles. Um, and so I was very lucky that they just trusted me from the get go. So 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 you're an actor. How do you separate the acting part of yourself from the directing part? Like, do do you have to find yourself like, uh, okay, I understand this as an actor, but as a director, this is what I need. Totally. Like, how do you how do you do this? Totally, it actually has been so. It's been very fun um, as a director to like inform the way that I think as an actor, sort of to be on the other side of the table of casting or of giving notes and things like that. Um, gave me a lot more perspective for next time I act in something. Um, but in terms of turning actor brain into director brain, um, I actually think that it's been very helpful to have all of that experience because um, when I need to give the actors notes of we need to connect with each other more or this bit's not working and I can't figure out how to like fix it, we sort of speak the same language of like character motivation and tactics and all that sort of thing. And so I think my experience in acting classes has um, really just given me a vocabulary to work with the actors and to know how to pinpoint um, what needs to be changed. Mm. So so what's it like being a girl director? <laughs> <laughs> Super true. Um, I actually, I think I, um, because our whole team is girls, um, it's been great and it's felt very normal. Um, in the past, I've been an assistant director for one of the um, shows I was an assistant director for um, was to a, a male director. Um, and I did have some experiences of I would um, give some notes or tell him some certain things um, for him to pass to the actors. And then he would take all the credit um, for coming up with that idea or for um like just using my phrasing um, and being like, this came from me. Um, <laughs> and that goes just, on in 2023. It still goes on in 2023. <laughs> so <laughs> this time it was just, it's been really lovely. And, um, you know, the cast is like, there's six women to three men. Um, and then the whole production team is women. And so for this experience, it has felt really, really, um, I felt very supported and very listened to the whole time, which has been wonderful. And it just feels very empowering to get to do that on um, this story and then get to share that whole experience with campus. So, 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 you know, uh, as a girl director, and I hope you don't mind me calling you a girl. No, I, I kind of like, I kind of <laughs> like girl director. Um, um, it, uh, so how do you, how do you, how do you assert your own independence and, and and whatever it is that we have to do as women to be heard and seen mm -hmm. like it does does directing help prepare you for for the climate that we're in or or do you feel like oh my god i can't believe we're still in this climate like how do you totally. how do you reconcile all of that you know coming at you cuz i feel like you're a young woman and mm -hmm. i would imagine you thought oh that's all behind us we made so such great strides why why am i dealing with this <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think in terms of like just keeping 
directorial authority in the room um, and stuff like that is just, um, I really tried to, to um, sort of give a justification for every note I'm giving. And that honestly is more um, for the benefit of the actors than it is for me. Um, I find, for example, like, uh, they have been, there's a, a technique in acting where you're on your voice or you're off your voice. Um, and when you're in acting, you really need to be on your voice, which is when you're all the way connected to your breath. Um, and I could just tell them like, you need to be on your voice, you need to be on your voice. And then they just like, sort of like, are like, okay, uh, I'll do that, I guess. Um, but if I can really <laughs> explain why and be like, we like we come off of our voice all the time in daily life and so it makes sense that like on stage when you want to be a real person you're just like talking like you would in real life but there's this whole it's you and your scene partner on stage and then all of this audience and if you're not on your voice you're leaving all of the audience out completely um and being able to um, I think this is also where like the acting class language comes in, um, but being able to explain exactly why I need them to do the thing I'm telling them um, has made it a lot easier to make sure that that thing actually happens. Um, so that's been really, really great. And in terms of um, girl director in the broader world, um, after that, I think, I think because I've had such a... Um, wonderful experience on this team um, and the response to it so far has been so phenomenal. Um, I think I've just had a very lucky experience to set me up for whatever next thing because now I have that sort of, oh, you have a you have a you have a good show under your belt. Um, and it so, sort of sucks that I feel like I need to have to rely on on having that um, to be respected. Um, but luckily it's been a, a good experience of getting that. I was gonna ask you, does this set you up for the next, for the next production, regardless totally. of size? Like, do and and are you willing to sort of like, okay, I know I'm an actor, but yeah. directing is a whole other animal. Do I really want to be an actor and a director? Totally, yeah. I don't know exactly what comes next. Um, I'm going. I'm actually going abroad next semester for <laughs> acting. Um, <laughs> but I. I feel very, I really, really loved this whole process of directing. And so I know that I need to do it again. Um, but I'm just, I don't know what. You what know, everybody that when. I've seen who who has directed from um, uh, from some of the, the, you know, some of the great, you know, the women that we know out there who are directing big films and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, once they get hit with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been coming for a long time. I want, yeah. I want every. I want to run everything. <laughs> Move over, Martin Scorsese. I'm here. I want to do everything. So, yeah. All right. So, where are you going abroad? At where are you going to go study? Um, I'm studying at the British American Drama Academy in London. Oh boy, um, that's a yeah. big deal. Big deal. Yeah. All right. All right. Don't <laughs> let them fun. push you around. I don't care if they got fancy <laughs> accents. <laughs> I won't. All right. So, so you got this production of Little Women, and you're the director. What What are all the moving parts that you have to concern yourself with? Not just the actors, but you got to worry about the lights and the sound and where the audience is. And yeah. I mean, I'm just imagining you tell yes, me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, luckily the production team is so every person is so on top of their role. And so the really fun thing has been, um, like coming up with a vision at the start of the process of we're really interested in telling the story set in its time, but 
not super caring about like the specific details of the feather would be on this side of the hat in 1861, not this <laughs> side. We're more interested in like, oh, this is old, <laughs> old fashioned. Um, but we're also, there's a vision of, um, there are a lot of handmade crafts in the show and puppets and string lights and sort of creating your own future as you go um, in addition to this historical setting. And so it was very fun to um, sort of be able as a director to come up with that vision at the beginning and be like, this is sort of what I'm interested in. And then all of the designers took that in their own strides and um, just like took it so many levels above that. Um, and so it's been extremely fun to see what they come up with. And um, we just like to go from just running it in a bare room and being like, oh yeah, this is the show to adding in all of those tech elements and being like, oh yeah, this is the world um, has been really, really fun. Um, in terms of all the moving parts, um, the Schwarzman Center has been so helpful and so supportive in um, moving all of them around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the space we're in is the dome and it's really, really gorgeous. That and dome it's, is gorgeous. It's so cool. I mean, yeah. I could, you could do anything in there. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. Um, sort of technicality challenges of the dome is that like we couldn't um, get a piano in there. And so how do we, oh, there's like okay. two pianos in the show. And so we're using a keyboard <laughs> and then imagining for the other one and things like that. Um, there's no backstage. And so we set up the audience and the aisles in such a way that works along with um, a creative vision of all of the audiences involved. So all the actors go through the audience or right around the audience to enter every time because there's no just like backstage for them to go to. But I really prefer it that way um, because it feels so like immersive because of that. Um, and then just like another technical challenge is that it's there's no um, raked stage or raked audience, um, sort of in a normal theater, the stage is raised or the audience slants so that you can always okay. see everything. Um, just a flat floor <laughs> in the dome. <laughs> and so it's just been, it's been interesting to contend with how do we make sure that everyone can see everything, um, even when they're all just like sitting right behind each other the whole time. Um, and so that's sort of an example of thinking, um, like I don't just get to think of of the fun little acting details. Half of my notes last night at our final dress rehearsal were, um, you know, don't stand right in front of each other so that they can see you. Um, <laughs> just like all the little technical things to be thinking about all at once. But the uh, the team is all on top of their own things, and it's just been really cool. I mean, I, I you know, you bring up a good point about even though the dome is fantastic, it's mm -hmm. an unusual space for certain kinds of production, but yet that seems to be trending uh, in the theater world where people are putting on theater in places that are unconventional or not what we consider theater-esque, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, does does that, does that help you in thinking about future productions? Does that help you thinking as an actor, like I can act in any space or I can produce in any space? Absolutely. Yeah. I really love thinking about like stage shapes. I think that um, half the time theater can be so much more interesting when it's not in proscenium style, which is like the classic there in a um, audience goes back and then there's a big arch and then there's the thing um, <laughs> <laughs> because it can sort of make the the whole play feels separate or like you're watching it on a TV screen when sort of the, the very fun thing about theater is that they're right there with you. And I really love playing spaces that um, really emphasize that. Um, and it's also sort of fun to think about um, 
how the shape of the space you play in affects the audience. Um, I I did a, a class last two summers ago in um, London through Yale and we saw a bunch of theater. And one of the plays we saw was, um, we saw Straight Line Crazy, which the lead of it was Ray Fiennes, who was the guy who played Baltimore. Um, know, and so it was gorgeous. this like, oh my God. I mean, <laughs> for, my so age, for my age cohort, Elsie. <laughs> Not for your age cohort. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, the, it was the first play we saw on the trip. And it was like a, it was like a political powerhouse of a lead where it really depends on who the lead actor is. And he was so good. Um, and then a month later, we saw another play, which was called Patriots. Um, um, and it was equally like really depends on who the lead is, this political powerhouse actor. Um, and the stage for Patriots was set up in a in a thrust style. And so the front of it was jutting out and there were audience on three sides of it. And we were on one side and then on the other side in the audience was Ray Fiennes watching the play. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept looking at him. <laughs> I was like, is he laughing at the jokes? Does he approve of this person acting in a similar role? Um, and it's just kind of, I think the, the things you can do with, um, the thrust stage and like the fact that with that, the actors can be closer to the audience on all sides and more audience members can be, be more involved in it is also, you have to contend with who's going to be in your audience and are they going to be able to see each other? Um, and sort of, are you prepared for that, for your play? Um, it's just, I really love non-traditional, um, stages, stage shapes, and that's just an example of what can happen with <laughs> them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you, do you consider yourself a, a theater actor or would you go do TV and movies? <laughs> um, I, I've always been a theater actor. I would do TV and movies. I just never, never have. I grew up in the, at a community theater in Montana, um, doing theater. So that's always okay. been what I, what I am. Because a, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of movie stars started out as theater actors. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and they're the good ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just watching this whole thing on Barbara Streisand the other day, who I'm a huge, ridiculous fan of. You know, she's really ready to give up singing, right? Because, you know, she's mm -hmm. been doing it for like a gazillion years. Um, and she was talking about, you know, how the theater was the thing. Like you you cut your teeth on the theater. And then when mm -hmm. Hollywood called, you know, you it was a different style of method, right? You had to change method of, you know how you portray things because mm -hmm. cameras are tight and stage is big yeah yeah and not to not to say one is better than the other but I think that learning in the theater is it always sets actors up um for longer success because you have to work um in the chronological order of a story don't just jump around and film the beginning or film the end before the beginning um, and things like that. It's just really fun to to go on a whole arc right in front of an audience for mm -hmm. two hours. Now, did you always know you wanted to be an actor? <laughs> um, I did not. I always knew I wanted to do something in the theater um, because I was really lucky to have that that theater in my hometown. Um, and now, I still do you don't sing know and if... dance? Do you sing I and do. dance too? Of course yes, you do. I do. <laughs> I'm in a, a jazz acapella group on campus. Oh, of course you are. Of course, yeah. of course. Also, so is that good training? Is that does that keep you a good voice? <clears throat> yes. Yeah, it's very good. Very good practice. Okay. So so tell me a little bit about this adaptation of Little Women. Will 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 your age cohort appreciate this story? Will they like it? Will they recognize it? Will they know it? 
Yes, I I really, really think so. Um, I think even beyond just like the fact that they would recognize any version of Little Women for what it is, um, there are, Kate Hamill made a few small changes to the plot, um, which don't really affect the the grander story, but it's sort of every adaptation contends with, okay, do we have her marry the professor at the end or do we um, show the book burning or the slap or things like that? Um, and and I think that the way that she's arranged these events um, really keeps the heart of the story intact, but makes them a little bit more um, impactful to now. Um, for example, in in like the book of Little Women, um, Amy burns Joe's novel near the beginning um, when she's really mad that she can't go to the opera or to the, the theater with her and Laurie. Um, and it's like a very clear example of, um, you know, sisters being mad at each other and doing things that they probably wouldn't do. Um, but in this version of Little Women, um, Amy doesn't burn the book until the very end. Um, wow. And it's it's really almost, I think I like it more um, because it is the final nail in the coffin of childhood is gone. Um, she burns the book and Joe is like, oh, those are all my stories. I can never do it again um, because oh. she's past that age. And so, yeah, so it keeps the the general shape and the impact of things that happen, but some things, the stakes are elevated because of that. Um, it, it, feels it, like, it, it feels like it feels like all the angst between them is building. Yeah. Book burning is like the final, you exactly. know, said, yeah. nail in the coffin rather yeah. than you see the book burning and then you have to like retrace. You have to go back and figure out exactly how she burned her sister's book. And then you start to see why. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so I like, I kind of dig that. I do too. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's very, um, I think that the, the response on campus has really shown that it is uh, impactful. We had our first audience last night for invited dress oh, and it was full. Oh, oh. Um, and it was very fun to watch the audience instead of the actors um, and see when what made them lean in. At the book burning scene, they all were like, oh, <laughs> like visibly. <laughs> um, so so how well do you work with with uh, as Kate Hamill? How mm -hmm. closely do you work with her? Like, do, do are y'all messing with the script as you're doing this? Do you say, oh, you know what? This doesn't work. Or, or she says, well, try it this way. You know what I mean? Like, how, how what is that relationship like? Totally. So we actually don't have a relationship with Kate Hamill. She just, it's a play that's available for licensing that she wrote. And then we okay. just licensed it okay. and did it. Yeah. Um, and so the relationship is, thank you so much. for thank your you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that must be kind of fun too, to like license a piece of work. And then you're like, it's like a, a almost like a blank slate. Yes. Yeah. We could do whatever we wanted with it, except change any of the words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell me how long do you know? Do you happen to know the dates? How long is this run for? Yes. Um. It is just uh tonight, Thursday through Saturday, November 9th through 11th at 730. Oh, wow. So yeah. all this work, how long have y'all been rehearsing? Um, since the beginning of September is when all. Oh my were. gosh. And so you get yes. three nights. It's the, at the capstone is three nights and then. Yes. And then you all go sleep for a long time. Yeah. Then something else loads into the Schwartzman Center. <laughs> so, so, so what are you thinking about your next project? Are you like, what do you, what do you get to do next? Totally. I'm not super sure what I'm going to do next. Um, directing wise, I'm in a, I'm in another musical um, this semester on campus. Um, so that's what's next. I immediately go rehearse more for that. But um, what's that called? What's the name of that one? 
It's called the Great Com Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. It's um, one of my friends in theater and performance studies, her senior thesis. Okay. Um, so that's that what's next. pretty. I like the title. <laughs> yeah, it's based on um, like a 70 page section of War and Peace. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so just all that right. little chunk. <laughs> okay. It's, it, I guess when you're when you when you're at Yale, you get to do the heavy stuff. Like, you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of book adaptation. <laughs> all right. So, so I would imagine, Elsie, that the actors have to trust your judgment. Yes. And, and help them shine in this production. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they have to feel like they trust you to direct them into uh, a brilliant performance. Is that accurate to say? I think that's very accurate to say. And we have all, a mix of all sorts of people. We have people who are very experienced in theater at Yale and who need um, a little less guidance. And we have people who are freshmen and it's their first ever show at Yale who also are killing it and don't even need that much guidance. But um, it's they, we've got people from all from all walks of life in this um, production, and it has been really cool to um, sort of give them my judgment and have my thoughts on on what is going on in any given scene. But it's also been very cool to receive their ideas and their feedback, um, and sort of be able to implement them because it's just felt collaborative the whole time. And so I've been offering a lot of things, and they take all the things. But sometimes in the middle of a scene, they're like, "Oh, what if?" what if we did this? Or what if we added this flower or this thing? Um, and it's just been, I'm always like, yeah, that is so smart. Um, half the time I, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of an annoying director in the sense that sometimes at rehearsal, I am like, let's just try the scene. I have blocking written in my notes of like where I want them to go, but I just want to see what happens um, if we go by instinct and by where um, does the emotion like prompt you to go? Um, just try that. Just try that instinctually. Let's see what happens. And they're always like, oh, okay, fine. Um, and then half the time they go where I had written in my notes to go anyway. Um, and so we're really speaking on the same page as each other. And then half the time they go somewhere that's even better than what I had thought would have worked in my notes. That's, um, that's pretty big of you as a director to acknowledge that. <laughs> like, to yeah. like, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I yeah. got some answers, but I'm willing <laughs> to learn to too, is, yeah. right? All I have to do is know, notice what works. I don't have to be the one who comes up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so where are you in your education? Are you graduating? Are you a sophomore? Where are you? I'm a junior uh, theater major. Okay, so you have a little more time here. Yes, yeah. More yeah. productions. And so when are you <laughs> off to London? When are you off to uh, to, to Europe? Uh, January for spring semester. Okay, and so, yes. but you've been there before. Yes, have yeah, the financial aid at Yale is, uh, yeah, so I did a, a class there for like six weeks last um, summer. The financial aid at Yale is great where the, they would, there's a stipend to do summer travel and then, it carries if you go for this semester. So it would have cost the same for me to do a, a Yale semester next semester as a London semester. So I was like, of course I'm going to do a London semester. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, if this is what it is, I'm yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that must be fun because that gives you, that broadens your horizon, right? It broadens your experience as, a, as, a, uh, as an actor. And I think maybe uh, the way you look as a, you know, as a director too, because you, you're starting to learn how to mm -hmm. look at things differently, I think. Definitely. And I can go see all the, all the cool stuff happening there. 
Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Oh, how are you going to keep up? How are you? Because <laughs> luckily, luckily, one of my theater town, like that's all it they is. do. Yeah, <laughs> luckily, one of my classes is going to be dramatic criticism, so they're going to take oh. us to a bunch oh. of stuff. Yeah. Oh Lord! I, oh man, I I would love to hear what you have to say about any of that stuff. So. Well, yeah, it's gonna be really fun. Well, I enjoyed this conversation so much, Elsie. And Me too. Uh, uh, break a leg or whatever they say <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> Thank you so much. Enjoy these next three nights of this production, and uh, and I'm I am cheering for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on and making my Thursday fun. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> I'm gonna have to try to get over to the Schwartzman Center and catch some of this. Uh, you know, I want to see what they do with the March sisters uh, in this day and age. So anyway, that's the show today, good people. I'm back tomorrow. Uh, I won't be here at nine because Harry has a doctor's appointment. <laughs> but I will be here at 1015 because I have Kevin Walton uh, coming on to talk about uh, this uh, this youth summit that's coming up. And uh, and I, and I want to get into it with him. So so tune in tomorrow at 1015. Uh, it'll be a rerun at nine, but 1015 will be back live. So I will see you then. Have a good one. Enjoy your Thursday and stay dry. This is uh, Buffy St. Marie. Y'all know her. <laughs>